welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Identity and Purpose series. So it's always good to confess before you actually start doing one of these uh, talks. And so I'm going to confess to you that on the uh, uh, sermon plan, I put the talents Okay, I put the, this is going to be the, about the parable of the talents, thinking that this actual passage was exactly the same. <coughs> see, see I, I didn't actually kind of study it hard to make sure that, uh, you know, I've uh, got the right, the right one. So, but fortunately, it works out really well that I got the wrong one. I got the wrong passage from Luke, okay, because... Um, Palm Sunday is next week, and, and it's just before his uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, this. Okay? It was just after he had spoken to Zacchaeus, and so he was talking to a crowd. He was talking to this crowd about, because they were expecting that uh, the kingdom of God was about to happen, because he was going to go in as king into Jerusalem, and he was going to be held, and he was going to defeat Rome, and it would usher in the, the wonderful golden age of Israel. That's what the people were expecting. That's what they, they were expecting through this. So, it's also called the parable of the pounds as well, this one, the minus, uh, and the uh, Parable of the talents are called the bags of gold. Now, there are differences. Though they have the, got the same kind of principle, there are differences between the talents and the minus. Okay? And I'm just going to give you those briefly now. So, in Luke, he, was, uh, he wrote that Jesus was about to enter into Jerusalem. And in Matthew, it was actually before his arrest. So it looks like there's two versions. Even Jesus used the same kind of story. Ooh, that gives us a little bit, yeah, that we can actually use the same stories. We can use them in, uh, when we're talking to different people. Now, uh, in Luke, Jesus was speaking to the crowd. In Matthew, he was talking to his disciples. That's in the talents. In Luke, people were thinking of the kingdom of God about to appear, and Matthew, Jesus was teaching on the end times, the destruction of the temple, including the powers of the ten virgins and the lost, uh, well, no, not the lost, the sheep and the goats, get it right. Also, there are some extra details in Luke's version to uh, Matthew's version. These are, in Luke, there's ten servants what come forward that he asked to come and he gave, gives them each a minus each and to put it to work and so a minus was three uh three months wages that's what it says at the bottom of the bible if you look on the, on the thing what a minus is it says three months wages but it's strange that only three were actually interviewed even though 10 were given uh, 10 minus all right, one, one minus each. There was only three which actually report, came and reported what they had. I think the others may have just gone, I'm going the other way or something like that. I don't know what, what happened to the other seven. 
but you know, it seems like they, yeah, they didn't feature in it. But in Matthew, it's three servants. One was given five talents, another two, and the last one was given uh, according to their ability. So a talent is 20 years of a day's laborer's wage. So that was a lot more money than a minus. That's a lot of money given to those servants. So Luke has details which aren't in Matthew, such as the nobleman becoming a king and a delegation not wanting them to become king, him to become king, okay? And the punishment of those who didn't want him to become king. So those are little, little details in uh, Luke's story that are different to those which are in Matthew's. So you could really say that he was using the same story, but slightly different. Slightly different ownership or onus. But despite these differences, there's a similar outcome. In both these parables, there is a settling of accounts to find out what each one had gained. In both accounts, there was an expectation that the period that the nobleman or the master was away, something had to happen in that time. Okay? Something happened. They would uh, uh, invest in what they'd been given. It would grow and their investment would come back. Yeah? Safe to say? Yeah? So I think in Matthew's version of the talents, he's really dealing with people's ability because it says on people's ability. On, uh, he gave to the servants according to their ability. One five, one two, one one. Now, in the minus, the parable of the minus, I think it's about devotion more so than just ability. Ability obviously comes into it, but I think it's their devotion because if you notice that it comes before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where the crowd is going to hail him as king. But only a few days later, those same shouting people were shouting to him to be crucified. So this was a, a kind of a, a form of what was going to happen, that Jesus was being rejected. And these servants, which he called to himself, would have to kind of fly in the face of that persecution, that sense of we don't want this king to be our king. Do you see a tie-up? Even when the situation we are facing now in some of our lives, that is difficult that things are against us, that it's not always plain sailing, being a follower of Jesus? Or do you find it really easy? Do you find it really easy being a Christian, to being a follower of Jesus? Is it plain sailing all the time? Is it, woohoo, we're happy all the time, we're shiny, happy people? No. And that's the reality of it. The kingdom wasn't about to come, despite hailing him as king as he went into Jerusalem. 
No, he came. His, uh, this full kingship would only happen on his return. But he had to suffer first. He was the servant king who laid down his life for us and for the world. He had to suffer first before he comes into his kingdom. He is destined to die a sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the world. The holy king, the holy priest, the forerunner, the lamb of God, the suffering servant going to the cross for his friends. He demonstrates his own devotion by laying his life down. What a saviour. What a saviour. So the question has to kind of come back to us as it has an application, obviously. How is your devotion? How is my devotion? How is our devotion? What are we doing with our lives while we wait for the king to arrive? To settle accounts with us. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one will receive the things done in the body according to what we have done, whether good or bad. That's what Paul says. What has the Lord invested in us? What has he given us? He's given love. Love. He has given us, he's invested his love in us. He's invested his life in us. He has invested his grace, his mercy. All the things which we could never live up to, he has invested in us. Wow. He has given us this bunk up, okay? You, you, can you remember bunk ups? If you kind of, when you're trying to get to a high thing, you kind of, you know, you, you put your foot, uh, foot there and I will give you a lift. Yeah? That's what he has done. He has given us a lift to meet this, uh, the standard, the perfect standard of God. So we can actually reach it. We are standing on his shoulders because of all what he has done. He has invested all this in us. Wow. What an investment. What a responsibility we have as servants because that is our identity at this point of this, um, this uh, parable. We are servants. We are hired. We've been bought with a price to serve him. And him alone. What a privilege. That he has set this wonderful treasure in earthen vessels, it says. So the glory goes to him and not us. He has let this treasure be in us. Every single one of us. 
whether we're old, young, rich, poor, whatever. This love, this whole life discipleship, this, yeah, so this is, can you get the love, love bit on? Yeah, can you do that? Yeah, there we are. So, love Jesus, love church, love others. Whole life discipleship. Our identity is this servant and our purpose is our devotion. Our devotion to the Lord, devotion to each other as the church, and devotion to others. Those on our front lines. So the first servant had one minus and he made 10. Their reward was responsibility over 10 cities. Faithful in a little, well done, faithful servant. Thumbs up. Okay, first servant, great. Second servant, he got five back. Well done. You will be in charge of five cities. Now, I'm not going to go into the cities or what those, those mean at the moment. Yeah, we don't have to. You can speculate for yourself, but it means responsibility. It means that responsibility. But the third, here is your minus back. No investment. Not even some interest for those doing the bare minimum of even putting it into the bank and getting some interest back. Even that little uh, bit of effort would have been something to offer the king on his return. But nothing. The minus was taken and given to the one who had ten. Hey, that's not fair. He's got ten already. Huh. Verse 26 says, I tell you that everyone who has will more be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they will be, uh, that what they have will be taken away. And this is repeated in some other verses of the Bible as well. So even what we think we've got will get taken away. Now, Jesus is not opposed to effort, okay? I know, yeah, we kind of think once saved, always saved, we're, we're there. We, we don't have to do anything. We've got it made. No. It's the now and not yet. We are saved. We are holy. We are uh, glorified. We're all these kind of things. But it's the working out of that in our lives until we see him face to face. There's a working out. Because he's not going to leave us in our mess. I love the C.S. Lewis uh, quote. He says, so if you, uh, when God makes a residence of, of a human heart, you think, ah, it's going to be a nice little cottage with a picket fence, all nice and lovely. Just. But then he starts, then God starts renovating. He starts knocking down walls. And you're going, what on earth is he doing? He starts putting up turrets. He starts transforming you from the inside out because he's not, um, he's not made you to be just a cottage. He's making you a palace for his residence. He's going to change us from the inside 
out. What he is opposed is us trying to earn his love. Not opposed to us living it, for it takes effort. There is a cost to discipleship, a cost to following Jesus. But look at the reward despite the cost. It's worth more than the comfort of one's bed. It's worth more than the discomfort of doing the right thing in the face of temptation. It's worth more than the ridicule that we might face in owning that we are followers of Jesus. It's worth more erring on the side of love and grace than pointing the finger in judgment. It's worth more than claiming our rights or, keep, uh, or keeping our mouths closed for the sake of keeping peace and making peace. All Christians are under an obligation to make the most of their lives, to develop to the utmost their God-given powers and capabilities. The Lord is calling us to put all our lives into the investment he has made on us. His love and to return our love. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and make our home in him. God of the universe who created this wonderful universe wants to live in our hearts. Is our faith just an add-on to our lives which can be easily dropped when life gets busy? Because we're going to truly miss out and be in danger of being that worthless wicked servant who did nothing with the minus. However, if we set his love and his life to become part of every aspect of our lives, to let him permeate and infuse us with his life, we are going to be those faithful servants, devoted and fruitful, growing in the investment of love that he has invested in us. Love Jesus, love church, love others. is the key to the whole life transformation. A whole life disciple, a whole life follower of Jesus. I know it's a challenge, but it's worth it every moment of every day, of putting up with the heart to know that we will get the great when we see him face to face. Every tear will be wiped away and we will truly know our Lord and Savior. It's worth it. 
He is worthy of it all. Yeah. Shall we pray? Can someone just nip in and say, right, we're finished? Thanks. So, Father, we thank you that you are worthy of it all. Lord, help us, Lord, to really put our investment in this investment what you placed on our lives, Lord, that by your spirit that you will uh, bless us, that you will able us, enable us to able to do this, to follow after you with our whole hearts, to love you with everything, to love each other as you loved us, and to love others, to make disciples of all nations. Lord, help us to do this. By the power of your spirit, fill us again with your spirit. Help us to know your presence in everything we do. That we will not take our eyes off the prize of the upward call of God. Who is perfecting us. And who promises that he will do it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.